All right, we'll be in Numbers chapter 13 for our starting point tonight. Numbers chapter 13. Trust that you had a good prayer time, and I know that we'll be using the prayer list throughout the week as we continue to pray for one another. All right, we'll look at, probably end up being in two parts, we'll look at the life of Joshua tonight. Joshua, this is one of my favorite Bible characters, and I will eventually uh, get to uh, his, uh, his close partner, close friend, uh, fellow spy, uh, Caleb, and uh, we'll eventually talk about him as well. I know with Father's Day coming up, uh, we often think of the role of a father, the role of a man in the home, and how important that is. And we see with Joshua, as for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. And we see that throughout his life, that commitment to the Lord, that commitment to his God. And it was the determining factor in his life. He made that commitment to the Lord, as for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. And that commitment rang true throughout Joshua's life. When you think about all of the responsibilities that he had, think about the big shoes that he had to fill, the big sandals. I'm sure Moses wear a pretty big sandal. But to think that he had to step into the role of Moses, the great leader, the meekest man in all the earth, and then to lead the children of Israel into the promised land, and conquest after conquest, and all of the responsibility you can see that Joshua's commitment to the Lord is what carried him through all of those times. So we'll look at his life uh, tonight and possibly even into next week. Numbers chapter 13 and verse number 8 in this genealogy, we see of the tribe of Ephraim, Oshea, or Joshua, the son of Nun. And there's that old joke, who is the person in the Bible without a mother or a father? Joshua is the son of Nun. Okay, anyway, but um, um yes. <laughs> I know, that's a, that's a, anyway. There's a lot of those I could go on, but I will, I will spare you. In all truth, he was the son of Nun, N-U-N. And again, this is not son of a Nun, okay? He was the son of Nun. And so all jokes aside, uh, we see the record in his of, of Joshua in the genealogy here in Numbers 13 and verse number 8. It's also repeated in 1 Chronicles 7 and verse 27, where the genealogical record is mentioned there also. Now let's turn back to Exodus, the book of Exodus. Let's go back to chapter 24. Exodus chapter 24. And we will look at a little bit of Joshua's background and preparation. Preparation for what? Well, of course, in our knowledge of the life of Joshua, that would be preparation for taking the leadership of the children of Israel and be Moses' replacement. And so there is always preparation that God puts his leaders through. He always puts his leaders through preparation. There are some circles of Bible 
teaching Christ followers, there are some, I don't think it's a very large percentage, but there's a small percentage of, of people who believe that a man does not need to go through any kind of training or preparation for the ministry. And I disagree with that greatly. And I remember when I went off to Bible college, uh, there was some criticism from uh, someone that we knew because they were like, why would you want to spend all that money for four years of Bible college? Then I did two years of seminary. And why don't you just trust the Holy Spirit to lead you? And then whatever the Holy Spirit puts in your mouth, that you will speak. So why do all of this preparation? Why spend all this time in Bible college and seminary? And, of course, our answer was that God has throughout Scripture the principles and the pattern of training men for leadership, whether that be in Bible preaching, teaching ministry, or in the case of Joshua, who was both, yes, a teacher and a preacher, but also a general and also uh, a leader in, in other ways. And God prepared him. We see schools of prophets under Elijah and Elisha. We see Paul went through uh, years of training. We see the disciples and the pattern of Jesus Christ uh, with the apostles, with the disciples. Uh, it is important for us to receive preparation. And preparation requires patience. And it requires humility. And it requires a teachable spirit. Qualities that are often hard to live out qualities that are often hard to uh, gain and to gather and to develop because we have a culture today that is celebrity-centered, superstar. Now they even have, in the sports world, they have scouts, they have recruiters at the 8th grade level at these different sporting events. 8th graders already being recruited for college or in some sports, you can go right out of high school into the pros in some way. And there's all these pipelines, the number seven prospect, the number two prospect, and on and on it goes. So you have sons and daughters of superstars who are already being tagged as the next and then there's all the arguments about the goats, the greatest of all time, and on and on it goes. And the pressure that is put on some of these athletes and some of these young people as they try to develop their game and their abilities, it's, it's, it's too much. And, and it's, it's way too, too uh, early. And they can't even be kids. And we see that even with Hollywood and acting and all the entertainment. There are young people now who are saying, I wish I had never grown up in the entertainment world. I never could be a kid. Preparation. Preparation is so important. If I could just take a few minutes and speak to our young people. Listen to mom and dad. Listen to your authorities. Listen to those who are uh, your, your, your leaders in your life. I realize not all of them uh, are good and godly examples but even, even some of the not-so-godly examples God has put in your life, maybe in a role of leadership, that you can still respect and you can still obey as long as they're not commanding you or, 
requiring you to do something that's directly contrary to the Word of God. But it's so important for our young people to learn obedience and to have a teachable spirit and to have humility and to understand the necessity of preparation. And it takes time. It's hard for us sometimes because we want our kids to grow up and to start making or at least having adult responsibilities when they're not ready for them. And sometimes we have adults who want to treat kids like they're adults, and, and they're not. There, there still has to be that separation. And kids have to be able to grow up. They have to be able to develop. We're not living in little house on the prairie days where, you know, they get married at 14 and they start having babies at 15. You know, We're just not in the, that day and age. There might still be a place for that somewhere uh, in the world today. But by and large, our kids are not ready at the age of 14 or 15 or 16, uh, to be getting married and, and starting a family. But my point is this. Young people, they, they have a lot of preparation, a lot of maturity. And we as adults, we have an opportunity to be an example. We have an opportunity to be mentors, to be disciplers, to help develop. And our young people are taught in our culture. They are now being told in their kindergarten years that however they identify, that is the real them. And then they can live out that identity. They're being told that at the kindergarten level. First, second, and third grade. They're being told whatever they want to do. They can be anything they want to be, do anything they want to do, go anywhere they want to go. Dream it and you can be it. And on and on it goes. And we don't see that pattern in Scripture. We see the bar mitzvah and the Jewish tradition around the age, I think, 12, 13, 14 with a young man. We see in the pattern of the, the priests, the Levites, a young man had to be 30, 30 years old before he could involve himself in certain Levitical and priestly duties. Years of preparation. Joshua had to learn. Joshua had to be prepared. Joshua had to go through the fires of preparation before he ever stepped into Moses' shoes and led the children of Israel into the promised land. So he began, his, he's known as Joshua, the son of Nun, but he began as a servant to Moses. Exodus 24, verse 13, And Moses rose up, and his minister Joshua, and Moses went up into the mount of God. Exodus chapter 32 Exodus chapter 32, in verse 17. And when Joshua heard the noise of the people as they shouted, he said unto Moses, There is a noise of war in the camp. So who's up in the mountain with Moses? Joshua. They're coming down, and Joshua hears the noise of war in the camp. And I won't go on to uh, the rabbit trail of music and the sound, the noise of war and certain music that is representative of the noise or the sound of war. But I do think that that is an important point from Exodus 32 and verse 17, that there is a sound that is of war that makes a reference to the fact that sound does have a moral meaning. But we won't go there tonight. Exodus 33, in verse number 11. Exodus 33, in verse number 11. The Lord spake unto Moses face to face, as a man speaketh unto his friend. And he turned again into the camp. But his servant Joshua, the son of Nun, a young man, departed not out of the tabernacle. Joshua 
was a servant. He was a minister. He learned through the fires of preparation how to be a servant, how to minister. And that is where leadership begins. We just spent over a year in the book Biblical Leadership, concluding this past Saturday in chapter 12, talking about leadership. And throughout the book, the theme is a leader is a servant. A servant in his home, in his workplace, wherever he is at, he's a servant. And Joshua had to learn that lesson. He had to learn humility. He had to learn ministry. He had to learn servanthood before he would ever be in charge of the children of Israel and have great leadership responsibilities. I mentioned already that he was the only other person who went up into Mount Sinai when God gave Moses the law. Uh, Again, if you touched Mount Sinai, if you weren't Moses or Joshua, if you touched Mount Sinai when God was up Uh, When God was declaring the law, when Moses was up there, what happened? You were dead. What an incredible privilege. He was the only other one besides Moses who was allowed to touch the mountain as God was giving the law. And Joshua, I don't know what it was like for Joshua as he sat there between the Israelites and Moses. And maybe he heard and saw some things. And he had to sit there. What did Joshua do? Get out his iPhone 14? And scroll for days and weeks on end while Moses was getting the law? I don't know what Joshua did. Certainly wasn't scrolling his iPhone 14. It might have been his iRock 14. No, just kidding. Um, His, anyway, sorry. He didn't have a phone, of course, all right? But he had something, I would assume, the law of God was just being given. So what did Joshua do in that time of stillness and quiet? In preparation, and then hearing uh, the, the voice of God, maybe, or some thundering. And, and the Israelites, of course, they looked up in the mountain. They saw the dark clouds, and they heard the, th- the thunder and saw the lightning. And what was it like for Joshua? A time of preparation. And how hard is it, right, for our young people? How hard is it for us in our times of preparation to sit still and to learn? To realize, I don't have to be out in front and be in charge and be... Uh, the highlight reel and be the superstar and be the celebrity. I just have to sit and learn. It may mean I have to ride the bench for a while. It may mean that I have to play a role on the team that I didn't want to play. It may mean that I have to, and not that I don't want to make this about me, but I had to learn in my days in Bible college, in seminary, working custodial, When a lot of my peers were working the checkout desk and they were admissions counselors and they were working in the admin building and they were doing this and that and they had the the prime time positions all around the campus and I was cleaning carpets and waxing floors doing night cleanup. And then two years of seminary, I paid my way through seminary as a custodian. And I sometimes wondered, God, why did you put me here? Well, I learned. <laughs> I learned a lot through six years of doing custodial work and carpet and wax and, and, and all that. I learned a lot. And when I'm in a class in seminary and I get paged, if you know what that means, young people, that means you have one of these little devices on your belt and it goes bzz, bzz, and it's not a phone, but it has a little scrolling 
message across the top in the early days of text messages. And uh, it had a code, and it meant I had to go answer the phone, and I ended up having to go to the elementary school and clean up puke. Literally, I was taking off my suit coat and lowering my tie or taking my tie off to go into the elementary school and cleaning up puke. And one day, I was literally cleaning up puke. I had just finished it, and another kid yacked right down the hall. I had to turn around and go right there and do it again. Then I had to get back in the van, and I had to put my coat and tie back on and go back to class. And I often wondered, God, what are you doing with me? Why am I here? And then I had four kids, and all of them learned how to puke real quick. <laughs> but anyway, those were lessons. And then as a school principal, I had to clean up my fair share of puke. But those were lessons that I had to learn. God had to put me in a place where I was literally on my knees doing gross stuff before I would ever have the opportunity to be your pastor. I mean, just so many ways that I can see God working in my life where I had to learn to step on my pride and eat some big pieces of humility before God would ever, ever allow me uh, to minister the truth of his word or to have any kind of public ministry. And I just thank the Lord for those times. I was struggling at times being thankful in some of those weary days, but Joshua had to learn those things. And before God will ever make us faithful over the big things, we have to be faithful in the little things. And Joshua had to learn that lesson. And he learned it well. And when the day came that they were calling out 12 spies, I can imagine it wasn't hard at all for Moses, Joshua and Caleb. One and two, right there. And then the other 10. I don't know about all them, but they were people who were men who were known to the community as good men, faithful men. But I'm sure Joshua and Caleb were one of the first two that came to mind, especially for Moses. He was probably picking Joshua pretty much right away. And those 12 men went into the land, and two men saw the land with biblical eyes. Ten men saw the land with fleshly eyes. And doesn't that teach us a lot about perspective? Joshua and Caleb knew the promises of God, knew what God had told Israel that he would do with them and what was going to be accomplished in the promised land. And God worked in their hearts and they responded to the truth in such a way that they looked at that land with eyes of faith. They looked at that land with biblical eyes, with a Bible view, a biblical view And it affected their response, didn't it? It affected their report. And so many lessons that we can learn from Joshua and from Caleb as those two spies who went into the land and they were the only two to bring back a good report. Because they had eyes of faith. Because they believed that God could work. That God had promised. and That God was faithful. And faithful who calls you who also will do it. He who hath begun a good work in you will perform until the day of Jesus Christ. And there can be all kinds of giants in the land. There can be all kinds of obstacles. There can be all kinds of difficulties. And sometimes as a young person, it can seem like there's no way out. But with God, all things are possible. And I know in Philippians 4, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. That is specifically in the context of giving. 
but we can make some other applications there. That God can help us as we are faithful to him, as we are obedient to him, as we trust him, as we look at the land with eyes of faith, we can see God help us overcome. God is the one who ultimately does the overcoming. But he gives us the grace and the strength to overcome even those giant obstacles, even those seemingly insurmountable odds. And Joshua and Caleb came back and said, we can take this land. Before God, those giants are but grasshoppers. They're but ants in the eyes of our God. Whereas the other ten spies were saying, we're the grasshoppers, we're the ants in those giants' eyes. But Joshua and Caleb said, no, they are the grasshoppers, they are the ants in the eyes of God, and we are on God's side. And we can take this land. And there was a mutiny, there was a mob. But Joshua and Caleb continued to stand up for what is right, and there weren't that many who stood with them, but they had eyes of faith, and they had a character of integrity. That brings us to Numbers chapter 14. Numbers chapter 14, the fidelity has to do with their character. Numbers 14, and we come down here to verse number 30. Numbers 14 and verse number 30. Doubtless ye shall not come into the land concerning which I swear to make you dwell therein, save Caleb the son of Jephunneh and Joshua the son of Nun. And then he says what will happen to those who have rejected God's promise. And then we come down uh, further to uh, verse 38. And we read, But Joshua the son of Nun and Caleb the son of Jephunneh, which were of the men that went to search the land, lived still. And then... We go down a little bit further to chapter 32 and verse number 12, and we see again God's honor in these men's lives. Save Caleb, the son of Jephunneh, the Kenizzite, and Joshua, the son of Nun, for they have wholly followed the Lord. What do we see God doing in the lives of Joshua and Caleb? They are honored, they are rewarded, they are blessed for their faith, and for their character, their fidelity, their integrity, for their character. That again goes against the grain of our culture. What is rewarded by this world? What is rewarded? Lying, cheating, stealing, fornication. What was just celebrated? I don't even want to talk about it. What was just celebrated on the White House lawn? Debauchery. Degeneracy, if that's even a word. Some of the most filthy, perverted things you can possibly imagine celebrated on the lawn of our White House. And our very own president is saying the most courageous people he's seen are these perverted, degenerate people. Unbelievable that we're hearing that in our land. Those people need the gospel. Those people need to be saved. Those people need to turn from their sin and turn to Christ. But now we see sin celebrated. Some of the grossest, most perverted sins of the land are being celebrated by those who are in power. And we are clearly and plainly going against the grain of our culture 
just by believing and adhering to the simple, basic, fundamental, foundational truths of the Word of God, even down to basic biology. It is incredible. Joshua and Caleb stood against a mob who were ready to turn and go back to Egypt, where they had been slaves. They're ready to just throw it all away and go back to Egypt. And God was about ready to start over with just a handful of Israelites. And of course, Moses and Joshua and Caleb, they pleaded and God spared Israel, but he said, for 40 years, you'll wander in the wilderness. But what were the blessings of Joshua and Caleb? They lived still, and they had land in the promised land, in Canaan. They physically were blessed with physical blessings, but they received the honor and the blessing of the Lord. That was far greater than any physical blessing. Yes, they received a portion of the land. And there are times when God blesses us with physical monetary blessings. And we thank God for them. And we turn around and we use them further for the glory of the Lord. But sometimes the blessings are just spiritual. They're just the invisible. As Hebrews 11 talks about looking for a kingdom Looking for a city whose builder and maker is God. And we have to keep our eyes on the promise, like Joshua and Caleb. We have to be people of faith and fidelity, like Joshua and Caleb. Even against those who would mock us and ridicule us. Can you imagine what Joshua and Caleb were experiencing that day as those ten other spies and that mob turned and began yelling and screaming and saying all kinds of horrible things. And Joshua and Caleb are saying, but this is what God promised us. Let's believe, let's go forward in faith. And they were mocked for it. And that was part of Joshua's preparation. That was part of what God was using in Joshua's life. And God blessed and honored Joshua and Caleb in tremendous ways. We'll have to stop here. But I hope this has been an encouragement to us tonight. Lord willing, next Wednesday night, uh, we'll get into uh, Joshua's leadership in action. Many years of preparation, and then Joshua will lead the children of Israel into the promised land. And we'll talk about that and some more of the lessons from his life, Lord willing, next week. Thank you for being here. This is a, a wonderful crowd, uh, great attendance here on a Wednesday night, and we thank the Lord uh, for that. And so let's bow in prayer and then we'll be dismissed. Lord, we thank you for your word. Thank you, Lord, for your goodness to us. Thank you for the example of Joshua, who, Lord, so faithfully stood for the truth, who looked at the land with biblical eyes, who looked at the land, Lord, and saw your promise, your faithfulness, your blessings. And, Lord, may we be like Joshua and continue to stand for what is right, continue to go forward faithfully for the Lord. And Lord, we thank you for this wonderful example. May we be encouraged by it now. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Have a wonderful evening and a great rest of the week. And uh, we'll miss seeing you all this weekend, but Lord willing, we'll see you next week.